0: Hello, and welcome to the SAE Tomorrow Today podcast. I'm your host, Grayson Brulte. On today's podcast, we have a wonderful conversation with Gautam Nuring, co-founder and CEO of Gaddock AI. We talk about why the future of delivery is autonomous, and why an autonomous delivery is faster and cheaper. We also talk about the impacts of COVID-19 and why contactless delivery is the future of delivery. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Gautam. Yeah, excited to be here. Thank you, Grayson. So growing up, your mom was a science teacher. Mm -hmm. What impact did this have on your life? And did this lead you to becoming interested in robotics initially?
1: Yes, it, it did play a huge role. I grew up in Delhi, India. My mom is a science teacher. And yes, you know, me and my brother Arjun, we used to help her out with projects for our science exhibition. And frankly, that's how I got interested in STEM and science and technology. And that was like, you know, one of the few things that pushed me towards the field of robotics then in addition to that at that time so this is you know we're talking about 2008 and 2009 robotics was still new and nascent in India this is something that wasn't being taught in uh, schools universities in India so that's that's something that you know I really wanted to get into this was the time when Boston Dynamics was one of the companies that was like you know putting out cool videos about some very exciting robots that was another thing that got me interested into this space.
0: So with 2008, 2009, robotics being new in India, was there a lab that you were able to go as an intern or somebody just opened the door and said, hey, you can go play with all the robots and build something cool? Was there anything like that?
1: Not really. Back then, the only, I would say, robotics project or the kind of robotics project that were around were line following robots, obstacle avoid, and things like that. So very basic projects. So, you know, obviously I started with that as well. There were a couple of robotics companies that used to have workshops at schools and colleges across India. Attended a few a few of those workshops. But very quickly, I came to a point where the kind of projects that we were working on were not challenging enough, were not exciting enough. So me and my brother, we started taking projects on our own. So slowly, we started progressing towards more challenging, more exciting projects. So, you know, we graduated from uh, line-following robots and obstacle avoidance uh, robots to maze-solving robots, then humanoid robots eventually. You know, we reached a point where these kind of challenging projects were not being taught in India or not even being talked about in India. So I took that opportunity to start traveling abroad Yeah, and, and trying to learn more about this field.
0: Did your brother come with you when you went on
1: abroad? <laughs> he did. <laughs> so we have worked on some same labs and companies as well. So in Japan, we both worked at Waseda University. Then Arjun worked in the same lab at Carnegie Mellon as I did. So yes, you know we have, I would say, similar trajectory. We have published papers together and we have worked on quite a lot of projects growing up. You grew
0: up with your your mom being a, a large influence and your brother, you tackling projects and wanting something more and more challenging. Mm-hmm. And you go to CMU, which is, has a reputation of being a very challenging and demanding school. Is this what kind of drove you towards autonomy? You said, okay, this is one of the hardest, most challenging problems to solve. Is this what, coming up from the childhood, is this what drove you in there?
1: It was, but at the same time, we really wanted something that would have a big impact in the society, and commercializing a technology is one of the ways to do that. So, when I started my career as a researcher, I was focusing on bipedal robots and legged robots because it was challenging, but I really wanted to do something that could be commercialized. And back then, and to a large extent today as well, legged robots are far away from being commercialized, with an exception of Boston Dynamics Spot Mini. Yeah. So, yeah, so it really wanted challenging projects, but something that would have a big impact on the world, on the society. And autonomy for robots I and mean, self-driving cars was one of the things that I felt could provide that platform. So
0: you look at self-driving cars and the majority of the companies saying, we're going to move passengers. And then there's another said that you know, Heavy duty said, we're going to move large goods on highways. And mm-hmm. then you said, wait a second, there's this thing called the middle mile. And you've gone in the middle mile, and you're out maneuvering everybody. What was the inspiration to focus on that part of it?
1: That's a good way to put it. You know, when we started Gadek back in 2017, the way we got to that was okay. We knew what was possible from a technology standpoint. You know, having spent many years building the technology, as you might remember, you know, in 2016 and 2017, every company was kind of promising full autonomy, robotaxis, uh, level four, level five for 2019 2020 I'm pretty sure everyone in the industry at least from you know who understood technology they knew all of this was being overpromised so when we me and my co-founder started in 2017 we knew what the limitations of the technology was at the same time we really wanted to focus on something that made sense in this case solving a real pain point solving a real customer's need and then that's how we we decided to address the middle mile segment and uh, you are right that still, as of today, middle mile is not clearly defined in the autonomy space. It's very clearly defined on the customer front. Our customers understand where does the middle mile or where our solution fits in their operations, their supply chain. So when we approach a customer, that conversation is I would say, somewhat easier. And I would say majority of our customers, they understand where autonomy is, you know, how far from being commercialized or scaled autonomy is. And I'll take Walmart's example in this case. So when we approach a customer, they get excited because they can see the benefits of autonomy, especially the middle mile, I would say more near term than some of the other applications of autonomy. So just like, you know, combining these two things, you know, what was possible from a technology standpoint and what was needed in the market, we decided to focus on B2B short haul. And this, this was the case since day one. As of today as well, we are focused on B2B. We have no plans to, let's say, you know, do B2C deliveries because frankly, B2B is huge and it's needed.
0: And there's a lot less logistical headaches. We do not have to build, necessarily build consumer trust. You have to build customer trust. Yes. And speaking of customers, in 2019, Gata comes out of stealth with probably one of the coolest companies in America, started by Sam Walton with Walmart. Yes. And I was like, wow, okay. How did that partnership evolve and come about? Because here's a startup focused on the middle mile with 95% of the industry is focused on moving passengers, comes out with a partnership with Walmart. Mm -hmm. It really made the industry stand up and take notice. So can you talk about how that partnership came about?
1: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, the first two years, we were heads down focusing on getting the technology to a point where we felt comfortable putting it out in the field. At the same time, you know, we were having customer discussions, not just retailers, all kinds of customers, distributors, 3PLs, retailers, making sure we understand about the market quite well. We realized and we decided on on Walmart, one, because yes, they have been great adopters of technology, but more than that, the goals were aligned or the vision of what they wanted and what we could bring to the table that was aligned and we felt excited about working with them mainly like you know how the growth trajectory would look like so just coming back to the Walmart partnership it's not a publicity stunt. It's not a short-term pilot. We didn't want to do that. We didn't want to do a pilot or a deployment just for the sake of doing one. There is a lot more going on under the hood. Yes, we obviously started, you know, moving goods for them at their headquarters in Arkansas in 2019, July 2019. What Gatik is doing for them is, you know, we are enabling their online grocery deliveries. So specifically what we are doing for Walmart is moving online grocery orders from their micro distribution center to neighborhood markets. So, neighborhood stores, so fixed repeatable routes. And we typically operate ten to twelve hours daily, and we have been operating for seven days a week since July last year.
0: It's incredible because on the last earnings call Doug McMillan, the CEO of Walmart, came out and said that online grocery for Walmart grew thirty percent last quarter. And he's only going to see that the the online the grocery segment of Walmart growing. And speaking of groceries, recently, you came out and announced the Gaddock box truck, mm-hmm. and box trucks are awesome. And and I'll and I'll tell you a funny little insight of why I like box trucks. Growing up, my dad was a produce broker, okay, and so we had a box truck at home. So I learned that was the first vehicle I actually learned how to drive. <laughs> so I learned how to drive a box truck, and now you can make it drive autonomously. I'm I'm really really impressed. So will the box truck continue to? Will you move fresh produce and refrigerated items around for Walmart and other customers in that vehicle factor format?
1: That's right. You know, let me share, you know, what we are seeing in the industry, especially in the online grocery segment. So for this segment, you expect as a customer a one-hour or two-hour delivery window, right? So for retailers, it's a huge headache. The way that their supply chain was structured originally was you had this giant distribution center, and this DC was typically far away from the populated areas, And this DC was used to make deliveries to the stores that were close to the customer. And the frequency of that delivery was once every one to seven days, which is obviously not fast enough. So the trend that we are seeing in the industry is retailers are trying to get close to the customer. And as you get close to the customer, the size of your warehouse, it shrinks. So the concept of micro-distribution center or micro-fulfillment center, it's, it's true. It's happening, not just at Walmart, but with other retailers as well. And because of the shift, what we are seeing is there has been an explosion in number of routes. So that single route now has changed into 8 to 10 routes that you know where one hub is servicing 8 to 10 spokes or 8 to 10 stores. So, you know, because of the shift, there has been a huge increase in uh, number of runs between the micro DCs to the stores, number of drivers needed, number of vehicles needed. And that's where Gata comes in. So we are helping our retail partners with this shift. And at the end of the chain, the end consumer can go to, let's say, a Walmart store and do a curbside pickup. And obviously, this trend, the shift towards hub and spoke, has been accelerated because of COVID. We were seeing a growth in online grocery segment even before COVID. But with COVID, the demand, all of that is through the roof. Walmart did share like some of the numbers publicly. For us in the field, we saw a 30 to 40% spike in number of runs and number of orders that we were moving for our customers.
0: So your retail partners... Obviously, they have a pretty good inventory of a database and they know that eggs might go or, or shirts or or bounty, there's certain items. And these micro warehouses, is that where your vehicles are moving certain, let's call them high volume items to ensure that when a customer goes into the store, does a curbside pickup, that item is there available. Is that kind of where you're filling in that middle mile for, for help them improve their customer experience?
1: Exactly. Yes. So we are helping retailers move goods more frequently. So that uh, one to seven window has now changed to one hour or two hour delivery window. So we are constantly moving goods. And these are like, you know, everything from fresh produce to groceries to essential items. So yeah, and and we are moving this in our box trucks. So, you know, coming back to the box truck discussion, yes, you know, we, we did announce that recently, and it's an industry first. And frankly, the decision to add a box truck to our fleet was driven by the customer's demand. And those box trucks, yes, are deployed for Walmart, but other customers as well. So we are using those box trucks to move these orders, these groceries, for multiple retail partners across North America today.
0: Now we're getting really interesting. In a recent printed interview, you stated the following: In five years, our goal is to achieve for logistics what Airbnb has done for hospitality and Uber has done for personal transportation. Everything that you've said there, and so far in this conversation, you're well on your way. It's a bold statement. Talk about the statement and, and how are you going to get there? Because this is getting really impressive.
1: That's right. I think two things that we really care about at Gatik is, one, delivering on the promise of autonomy. So the way we get to this goal is really solving this problem. And the way we do it is by considering the problem. So when I say B2B, that's a core part of our DNA. We are really serious about it. and we are not chasing any sexy, shiny use cases in this case. So B2C obviously is exciting, but whatever we are doing on the B2B front is happening today, and we expect it to scale in the near term. So long term, we see Gothic as a, as a service provider. Our vehicles will be moving goods for multiple customers throughout the day. And this is our true north. In know, long term, you can think of our technology, our, our company as FedEx or a UPS of the future, because the future of deliveries is using autonomous vehicles. So we want to play a huge, Role in that future, and we want to be at the forefront of that. So as we move towards unmanned operations, the idea is to add multiple customers to our existing vehicles, move multiple orders together as a way of doing that. We can achieve higher efficiency, and then come in at a price point that makes sense for our customers.
0: I'll give you an, give you an example on a service provider. So I have a friend here who owns a juice and produce stores, and they're about maybe ten miles apart. About three of them, they're spread out. One of the brothers is always going and refilling, depending on what store needs what. So as Gaddock becomes a service provider, they can have your service and say, okay, we know that we need more cucumbers at this one, more radishes at that one, let's put them in there and go. And instead of having to have the brother drive all around <laughs> trying to, to figure this out.
1: That's right. And think about this, this is possible. And yes, that's one of the use cases that we can enable. Think about the same thing, you know, inventory balancing and inventory pooling for, let's say, consumer electronics goods. You know, as a, as a consumer, you know, if you order something from Best Buy, and if that item is not available at your nearest Best Buy, there's a chance that you would go to another another retailer in this case to shop for that item. And it's a big pain point for, for the retailer. So inventory pooling and inventory balancing is something that they are looking into and they are interested in. As of today, the economics don't always play out. And with autonomy, with autonomous vehicles, yes, we can enable that kind of convenience for our customers and consumer as well.
0: Inventory pooling is really smart and going through this COVID situation, good luck trying to buy a PS4. (laughs) And so I've been been trying to buy a PS4 and I keep looking at all the different best buys and can't find one, but yet there's one 100 miles away that has them, but I'm too lazy to drive 100 miles. And as customers move more towards, I'm seeing this big trend where they order something online then they immediately go two hours later and pick it up at a store. Is that what the rebalancing fits in? So it's AirPods or if it's a PS4 or or soon in November, a PS5. It does, yeah. They can
1: then balance that
0: inventory there?
1: That's right, that's right, yeah. So basically, you know, shorter runs and higher frequency runs. That's what it comes down to.
0: To achieve this goal, will you need different types of different form factors of vehicles? Are you going to completely, you're going to have the the GATTAC fleet, just like UPSS, the fleet with planes and everything? Is that going to be well, where you're going?
1: Yes. If you look at our fleet today, on the smaller end, we have the commercial cargo vans. So these are the four transit connects that we're using today. On the higher end, we have 11 to 20 foot box trucks. Long term, you know, without sharing too much of our plans. We, we do have plans to serve the whole middle mile segment using different kind of form factors. Today, we have announced two, the transit connector and the box trucks, but we do have plans to announce something along the same line, I would say in the next about 12 months.
0: That's wonderful. So as of today, you've completed over 15,000 autonomous middle mile deliveries. That's right. Are all these deliveries generating revenue?
1: They are, yes. So every deployment that we do at Gatik is revenue generating. So yeah, so these, and and these are long-term deployments.
0: This is interesting. So if you look at the rest of the, the autonomous industry, nobody's generating revenue. You focus on this little niche called the middle mile and you're generating revenue. So did you have to put like a cockpit door to stop people from running down your door from investors saying, okay, here's an autonomous company that's actually generating revenue and has a path to profitability?
1: Well, yes. You know, lately we have seen a huge interest from the customer side, from investors as well. Just from a fundraising standpoint, we have a bit of a war chest going into the COVID situation. At Gatik, we have plans to accelerate our deployment, add more vehicles, expand our operations in the coming months. And yes, you know, our customers, they want us to deploy more vehicles and at more sites as well. But, you know, we have to strike the balance. So we have to be careful about what kind of partners, what kind of customers that we onboard. So at Gatik, we're not signing everyone. We are very mindful about whom do we partner up with. And yes, you know, we have turned down partnerships with, let's say, you know, Fortune 500 companies, big customers. But we weren't very excited about that. And we felt that our solution did not fit perfectly into their operations into the supply chain. So yes, and just going back to from uh, investor interest, from the customer interest, we have been fortunate from day one, all the deployments that we were doing were revenue generating. And it speaks to the fact that this kind of a solution is really needed in the market. And that was one of the ways, you know, charging a good fee for these deployments. That was one of the ways we were able to select, okay, which partner was really serious about this and which partner really needs the solution. So
0: when the, you say like a partner needs a solution, was that trying to optimize the middle mile like that partner had pain points or there was inefficiencies in the supply chain and that your technology could help shore up the supply chain? Is that kind of where the customers are coming to you?
1: Yes, a couple of uh, factors. There are a couple of reasons, but the big one is, you know, the shift towards hub and spoke is only possible using an autonomy solution like ours. So if you're talking about you know the fact that this online grocery segment is growing like crazy, To support that growth, they need to shift towards a more distributed hub-and-spoke network. And to do that profitably, and to do that at scale, autonomy plays a huge role. And that's one of the reasons why for us, you know, getting customers and charging our customers, all of that hasn't been a problem. So that's frankly the, the wave that we are riding. And that's what's driving all of this. At the same time, you know, obviously autonomy brings a lot of value adds in addition to making their, their operations, their supply chain more efficient, there are things that we are providing on top of that that is really attractive for our customers.
0: So as your, your customers, if I'm, if I'm, let's just call me Mr. Acme, and I'm a customer of yours named Mr. Acme, I'm looking at this as, one, you can short my supply chain, and two, over the long term, eventually when you go full autonomous, you can help me reduce my overhead costs for the middle mile. It seems to me that you're kind of following the approach of, of Sam Walton here, where Sam Walton had an idea that for a successful business could be built around offering lower prices and great service, and it could work. Mm-hmm. Is that where you're going? You're offering a superior service. You're not onboarding everybody. You're making sure it works, and you're offering great prices and helping that customer eventually achieve their goals. Is that kind of where you're going with this?
1: Well, it is. And more than that, long term, you know, it's all about enabling new services for our customers in a sustainable way. So I will not come in into this like from a cost-saving angle. So frankly, we are not subsidizing any deployment cost. or interestingly, at a weaker level with a safety driver on board, we're not losing any money. So yeah, so basically, I wouldn't say it's it's just about cost-saving, but in the long term, it's about finding enough drivers to support this growth of the middle-mile segment.
0: You're not subsidizing costs. I think we, we need we need to hammer hammer in on that. So if I heard that correctly, there the are two things that I want to just be sure for for the audience because this is impressive. One, you're not subsidizing the cost of each that's trip. right yeah and two, you're not and you're not losing money are both these statements correct?
1: We're not losing money at a weaker level of obviously our operations are not profitable at a company level we are not profitable far from it, but at a weaker level with a safety driver on board, we're not losing any money. And yes, you know we are not subsidizing these deployments either.
0: You figured out what most of the industry hasn't figured out and you, you should be applauded for it. And, and your, your investors must be extremely happy. This is just really, really, really impressive. So you're adding on new vehicle factors. You're adding on new partners and new ways to enhance the, the middle mile. Where are you kind of looking for new markets? Is it you're going to continue to focus on North America as your primary market or are you looking to other parts of the world?
1: Well, for now, for the foreseeable future, we are focusing on just North America. So Gatik does have, we are headquartered in Palo Alto. We have a second office in Toronto, Canada as well. So we have our vehicles up there, up in Canada. You know, we don't have any plans to grow outside North America anytime soon. As a startup, we have to be focused. The way we see it is, you know, we have limited resources. It's very important to do well and to really, like, you know, unlock the milestone, solve this problem with the kind of resource that we have. So we don't want to stretch ourselves too thin. In terms of the new markets, I would say... You know, not just the market, but the kind of customers. So right now we're just focused on retailers, you know, moving forward as we move towards unmanned operations. The plan is to onboard 3PLs and logistics companies in addition to distributors as well. So there are a lot of use case in the middle mile segment that we could target. We decided to focus on the retail space because they really need our solution.
0: And retailers need help more, more than ever, and they're going to come bouncing back.
1: They do. They do. Yes. You know, this online grocery is is going like crazy. Yeah.
0: Will you be able to, as the grocery expands and and your customers call you up and say, we need to add on 5, 10, 15 more vehicles, are you able to keep up with the manufacturing process as the demand for your current customers grow?
1: That's a great question. And on our supply chain, COVID did impact us. So, you know, there is more demand than, frankly, we we can fulfill right now or we intend to fulfill right now. We don't want to expand our operations too much. The goal is to focus on taking the driver off, but yeah, it's a good balance. We have a healthy revenue that's helping us with our deployments as well.
0: So when you look to the future, what does the autonomous middle mile look in five, 10, and 15 years from now?
1: Yeah, I think the short answer here is it won't be a niche anymore. <laughs> it's growing and it will continue to grow. Interestingly, what we are seeing in the industry is, you know, some of the customers, wherever possible, they're trying to move away from using semis as well. To operate an 18-wheeler, you need a CDL Class A license. So if you move to a more Boxster kind of vehicle platform for shorter runs, that requirement is not there. So you don't need CDL Class A. So some of the growth in the market in the segment in the middle mile is coming from that end as well. But yeah, you know, in the future, we see this segment growing. It's already happening. It will make, become more prominent in a couple of years. And then I think more long-term, the future of deliveries is autonomous. And we see like all segments, long haul trucking, middle mile, last mile, there's a need for these three segments into the customer supply chain. So I think, you know, all, all these three segments will will flourish.
0: And in, in this interview, you mentioned hub and spoke and there's been a lot of debate mostly in the oil and gas industry around putting up fueling depots on the highways and converting some of those rest stops into warehouses where an autonomous 18-wheeler can pull in they unload their cargo and then it would go into a, a city as you look to the future is that somewhere when you said these retailers want to move away from semis they'll use semis for those long two thousand fifteen 15 mile runs and then they'll go to let's call it the micro warehouse on the side of the highway and then Agotic vehicle will pick it up and then take it to their local distribution center. Is that kind of where you're imagining this going as part of the logistics ecosystem in the future?
1: That's right. Yes. And you know, the way we define the middle mile, so in one segment is from the micro DCs to the stores. And if you move higher up the supply chain, it can be between the DC to the micro DC as well. So the supply chain architecture is changing and all of this change is being driven by the end consumer. So yes, we anticipate or we see the the role of semis on longer distance runs. And then the middle mile is, is going. So that's where the form factor question comes in. You know, right now we're focused on micro DC to the stores, but we can move higher up the supply chain and serve the DCs to the micro DC run as well.
0: I can't wait to see what new form factors you have in the future. And and I'll close it out with this is what trends are, are you starting to see in logistics? and what role will wagatic play in those as we go into the future and the company scales and and becomes a full blown logistics player
1: yeah i think the shift towards in you know, a faster cheaper delivery is happening it's growing and because of covid contactless delivery has become essential so that's that's an important part that autonomous delivery vehicles are playing and would play in the future so the fact that our vehicles or you know, autonomous vehicles can really help with the delivery of goods in a contactless fashion is needed. So, yeah, and, and that's one of the things that, you know, we have seen new customer interest in the last few weeks where they're like, okay, you know, we, we really want to adopt uh, autonomous vehicles into our supply chain.
0: You hit the nail on the head with contactless delivery. I think that's a trend that's only going to accelerate. You're going to see it with contactless payments. That's only going to accelerate. It's not, we always knew that that was coming, but this, this current situation in the world is just going to, accelerate that. And in my opinion, and humble opinion, you are extremely well positioned and I wish you nothing but success because what you're doing now will completely go on to change the world. And as we learned from this wonderful interview is that the future of delivery is autonomous and we're just getting started with the innovation logistics of Gaham. Thank you so much for coming on the SED podcast and sharing your wonderful vision with us. So thank you.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to SAE's Tomorrow Today podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please kindly rate it, share your feedback, we love comments, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more information on SAE and SAE podcasts, be sure to visit sae.org forward slash podcast and follow SAE on social media at SAEintl on Twitter and Instagram and